You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. Today I want to talk with you about transitions. Life is full of transitions. From uh, the birth of a child, especially that first child, nothing shakes up a family more than the arrival of that first baby, not to mention what it's like from the baby's perspective. Or the ending of our life, uh, the process of, of leaving this world. And life is full of transitions every, every step of the way along the way between the beginning and the ending of our life. May is a particularly uh, a month of transition. If your neighborhood is like my neighborhood, there's several for sale signs. I've got neighbors to the side of us and across the street that's moved out or moving out. I'm beginning to get a complex. Um, and there's graduations, high school graduations. The last couple of Saturdays, I've spent some time with some of our high school graduates and hear about their aspirations of going to Georgetown and the University of Florida and Nebraska Wesleyan. And it's, it's exciting time to think about uh, the future, what a major transition graduation is. My own grandson, Orrin, is graduating a week from Thursday night from the Grotano Preschool. How did that happen so quick? <laughs> and then there's the retirement transition. Uh, I've been reading books. I've got a retirement coach, and I'm told that in retirement, some of you can verify this, there's three different phases to it. There's the go-go phase, there's the slow-go phase, and there's the no-go phase. <laughs> we all are at least not in the latter, or you wouldn't be here this morning, so I'm glad you're here. In terms of uh, just the way in which we live our life in occupations and in jobs, you might want to think about how many different jobs you've had in your life. Uh, we pastors go out to eat on Tuesdays. It's one of my favorite times. And uh, we went to Smoking Bob's this past week. And I got to meet uh, Smoking Bob in the flesh. And uh, he told his story. And I asked him if I could share that. And he was glad for me to share that with you that he was in the insurance business until about six years ago. And he transitioned out of the insurance business into um, really doing what he liked to do and selling barbecue. And he began to sell barbecue from a truck. And after three years of doing that, he transitioned into his restaurant and things are going very well for him. And to me, and I only know four things really, baseball, pies, I forgot the other two. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and barbecue. Thank you, Jim. I know barbecue. And so uh, I, I, uh, I like to hear the stories of people as they go through important times of transition. What transition are you going through? Or what transition have you recently gone through that you're maybe still learning from? What is a transition ahead? 
for you. What does God want to say to us about transition? Now, Schweitzer is going through a major transition. Uh, Susan and I are going through a major transition. Spencer and Abby Smith and their lovely three daughters are going through a major transition. And so transitions are hard. They're difficult. They have pain in them. And yet transitions are full and ripe with great challenges and opportunities for growth and a chance for us to lean in on God more than we ever have before. Let's do that together. And as you're able, I invite you now to stand for the reading of the gospel. We find that Jesus is going through a major transition in the gospel story. He has just told the disciples eight days before that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die, that he's going to leave them, that he's departing from this world. And after those eight days, he takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountain to pray. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it is wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. So in a major time of transition, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to pray. He took them as his inner circle. He took them as his confidants. He took them, I think, to teach them and to show them and how that they can learn from him as he's about to pass the baton of leadership over to primarily these three individuals. But it's also an opportunity for Jesus to lean on them because we need to remember that Jesus was human. Jesus was someone who was fully reliant upon his heavenly father, but he had the limitations and the frailty of human flesh. 
He was sinless, and yet he was full of temptation, just like we are. And Jesus needed some support. And so Peter, James, and John come along. I think in many ways, Jesus brought them along that he might be fortified by them as much as they might be fortified by him. But of course, they fall asleep. Elijah and Moses, though, appear. Elijah and Moses, the, the prophet, the great prophet and the lawgiver from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Scriptures, exemplifies for us the way in which Jesus is a fulfillment of all the things that have been written and prophesied about the Messiah. But in the midst of that, Jesus is glorified. Jesus is transfigured before their eyes. Moses and Elijah show up. And can't you just see Peter and John and James just kind of waking up and wiping their eyes and not being able to believe what they were seeing? And Peter, like many of us, don't know what to say before we say something. (laughs) That's one thing we love about Peter. He blurts out his thoughts whether he knows what he's talking about or not. And Scripture actually says that Peter, not knowing what to say, blurted out, Jesus, it's really good for us to be here. Let's build three monuments. Let's build three memorials or tabernacles or shelters, one for each of the three of you. And you could just see Jesus going, are you ever going to get it? Are you ever going to be silent? Are you ever going to learn? And in the midst of that, there's a cloud that descends. The cloud is the presence of God. In the scriptures, the cloud oftentimes reflects the presence of God and God's glory in such a way that it's the only way that we can begin to experience God and not die from the experience. Because no one that is human can look on God and be able to live. And so God shows up in a cloud. And in the midst of the cloud, they're stricken with fear. But in the midst of that cloud, there's a voice that speaks to Peter, James, and John. And that voice speaks to each of us. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. We live in a world where so many people like to express their thoughts and their opinions and speak openly about many things. And that's fine. But oftentimes, we really are called to listen. And I think if God had one tweet... If God had a text, if God had a post that he wanted to put out there on social media for everyone to hear and understand, I don't know it could be any worse than the one. Uh, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. In times of transition, he's the one we want to listen to. And in this mystical experience... When God breaks in, God gives Peter, James, and John the fortification 
that they need, that they're going to transition on and become leaders in God's movement and God's church. We need the mystical experience. We need the things that are inexplicable. We need those times, those dreams, and those visions that we cannot manufacture that God breaks into our life and communicates to us in a way that's beyond logic or the intellect. Pascal, the mathematician, the scientist, the theologian said years ago that if one subjects everything to reason, our religion will lose its mystery and supernatural character. We need mystery. We need the supernatural. And we need to be open to the ways in which God wants to speak to us, especially when we're weighing decisions. You know, one of those things is that you take a notepad and you draw a line down the middle and you write the pros on one side and the cons on the other side. And that's all well and good and I've done that. But there's got to be more to it than what our logic and our reason tells us in terms of making the decisions that affect our lives and so many other people. And so what can we learn from the mystical story of, of transformation in the gospel. I think one of the things we can learn is that we can, we can be open and expectant of God breaking through. We can expect God to break through in inexplicable and imaginative ways. It was a year ago that I was at a retreat in New Hampshire. And at that retreat, I placed before God the timing of, of my retirement or my leaving Schweitzer. I had been considering that for a year or two. And I really truly wanted to do it not simply the way God wanted me to do it, but at the right time. And what I do when I want to get away with God is I, I shut off the noise, I get away from the phone, and I, I journal, I write things down. You may want to try this. Because in prayer, isn't prayer dialogue with God? And so I, I write down what I want to know, <laughs> what I need to know, or I lay out before God my question. And as I'm doing that, I pause and I wait in silence. And this is not the first time God and I have been communicating about this. But after a while, it was just like God gave me words so quickly as I was writing down thoughts from God, what I felt like God was saying to me, that I couldn't write fast enough. It covered a couple of pages. And I'll spare you the details, but God was basically saying, Bob, God's favor is on this church. But it, it will not be on God. My favor will not be on this church if you continue past another year. That God was saying to me, it was time for me to make the plans and the preparation to leave this place. And that God said to me, it would be painful. And God said it wouldn't be easy. But that God had a future for me. More than I could think or imagine. And in the midst of that dialogue, I had a vision-like image. I'm not going to say it was an image or a vision. I'm not going to say it was a vision because if I did, you'd probably 
dismiss me this morning, but you know, because we're not open to these things. Or maybe we are open to these things. But my vision was simply a very tall Jesus was standing out in the foyer of Schweitzer Church. Very tall. <laughs> and I was standing about 20 feet from Jesus. And Jesus gave me this knowing look and the nod and was leading me out the west door. And Jesus was simply inviting me to follow him out. So people ask me, why are you retiring or why now? Well, I'm simply leading, following the presence and the will of God as best I understand it. And that's the reason. Some people have imagined that I have some type of sickness. There was a great rumor going around that I had Parkinson's disease because I tend to shake my neck sometimes which I do at times, but it's not because of Parkinson's, it's just because you're such a pain in the neck that, you know, I, I, I just do that sometimes. Now, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm physically in great shape for a 65-year-old. And I'm not retiring simply because, okay, I'm eligible for Medicare. I'm retiring, I'm stepping aside because I believe it is the leading of God. And I believe that a new generation and a new leader of a different generation will help this church move forward. And I'll speak more to that in the next few weeks. But be open to the mystical. Be open to dreams. Be open to visions. Be open to images. Be open to the words that people say. Be open to scriptures. Be open to things that you cannot begin to describe or imagine that just keep coming at you. Be open to the supernatural. And the second reason that uh, we can learn or what we can learn is from mystical experiences that, that they give us the confidence to move forward. What strikes me in the story of the gospel that after Peter, James, and John had this experience with Jesus, within days they set out for Jerusalem. They head out there, and within months, Jesus is going to be killed. He's going to be departing from this world. And Jesus is doing the very best they can <laughs> that he can to prepare his disciples that he's leading. But they still don't get it. They still don't remember. They're still not prepared. They're still shocked out of their gourd. That's just what it's like to be human. But later on, they will remember this story. Later on, they will tell this story of how God was preparing them. And so it is through these kind of experiences, mystical experiences, things that we cannot put a label on, that give us the confidence to follow the leadership and the guidance of God. One of the things that... uh, I want to visit with you about is really kind of like seven different steps that practically speaking you can be following when you're facing a major transition and they're not original with me they're Mary Funk's uh, steps 
But here's some things you may want to write down. They're on the Schweitzer app this morning. But the first basic step is, is really to pray for enlightenment, to be open to what God wants to show you. So, so to pray, and it's much better and easier to pray when you've already got a prayer life, right? But you're praying for enlightenment. You're, just, you're putting out the question. You're putting out the thought, and you're wanting God to have his way and show you the wisdom, the guidance that you need. And then sort out your thoughts. Now, this is a very hard step. Sorting out our thoughts is imagining three buckets. There's the bucket that has my self-thoughts, all my thoughts that come from myself. Many, many thoughts all the time. <laughs> There's the God thoughts, the thoughts that I believe and sense is, are from God. And there's the thoughts of the evil one. Now, I don't know about you, but I have all kinds of evil thoughts that come at me every day. It doesn't mean that I'm evil. It doesn't mean that you're evil. It means that there's a reality of Satan and evil in this world. And so I want to identify those thoughts that are destructive, that are harmful, that's coming from a place of darkness, and I want to put them in one bucket, and I want to put that bucket away. And I want to look at the other two buckets. I want to look at my self-thought buckets. And self-thoughts are not bad thoughts or selfish thoughts necessarily. They're the thoughts that I need to put out there. All the thoughts that are truly true about what's on my mind and my spirit. I really want to be open to God's thoughts. I mean the thoughts that come. The thoughts that are there. In my truest self, in my moment of stillness and silence, when I can get past all those other thoughts, what's the God thoughts? And when I get a God thought, I treasure it. It's a pearl of great price. I want to write it down. I want to hold on to it. That's a God thought. It can come anytime, anyplace. Maybe in the midst of watching a movie. For me, it's usually watching a ball game. Third step, virtually live the direction. In other words, I got to try it out. I got to test drive it. Even God cannot drive a parked car. So you have to put things into motion. You have to begin to think about what if and begin to consider seriously and carefully, but very intentionally, that new direction. And then look for a confirming sign. It's amazing as God was speaking to me and showing me how different signs came to me in making this decision. Um, I was watching a runner, just running as I was coming to church uh, recently. And the runner had on his person, on his t-shirt, finish well, <laughs> finish well. And it was just like God highlighted those words, finish well, finish well. A confirming sign, something that I just felt like God used to speak into my heart and my spirit. And then make the decision. you got to make the decision. Sometimes you just got to say, I'm in, I'm going for it, and you move forward. And not to make a decision is to make a decision. So we make decisions every day. But the big decisions, we, we decide we're going for it or we're not. And if we're going for it, we ritualize the decision. 
Some say we light a candle, we mark it on the calendar, we call a friend. We let it be known to a few people in confidence, I've made the decision, I'm going for it. And then to guard our hearts and watch our thoughts. Have I had second guesses and second thoughts about my retirement this year? Absolutely. Have I um, had times and moments when it seems very surreal? <laughs> you better believe it. But yet I know that I know that I know that God has us, that God has me, that God has been leading, is leading, and will be leading in the future. And you know, when you make a decision, and sometimes that decision may be wrong or it may not work out just the way you thought, guard your thought, guard your heart. Don't, don't, don't berate yourself, but realize that God can take even decisions that have been in air and bring good and reshape your life accordingly. God has us. God had Peter, James, and John. They went through the most traumatic experience that we could imagine in witnessing the death of Jesus. And yet, God raised them up and put his spirit in them and used them in great ways. God has a Schweitzer. God has a great transition team in place. God has a transition coach. And God has a great leader, Spencer Smith, that awaits you. I can only ask that you give him all the love that you've given me. God has Susan and I. And God will lead us in a time of transition that has pain in it, but also has great hope and challenge. Because God is leading us forward. God is leading us on. And transitions are really about transformation. From one degree to another, Paul writes in Corinthians, we are to be changed into the reflection and into the glory of God. And my prayer is that God is going to use these next several months as a way of, of changing us, of moving us, and making his presence known to us in ways that we cannot begin to think or imagine.